Father, we come before you knowing that you are in control here, this worldwide pandemic. It is affecting every country on the face of this earth. And there are people who are being subversive, who are trying to make it something more than what it is, and others who are discounting it, trying to make it something less than what it is. We had asked for your wisdom to be balanced in our approach to this. We'd ask, Lord, that you would show us the way, that we would lean on you for understanding, for this is what you desire. And we recognize that. We acknowledge it, Lord. So help us as we seek your wisdom, that we might be able to hear the voice of your spirit through your word. So bless that word this morning as it goes out, we pray in Jesus' name. So for the reasons which are completely real or partially contrived, we are once again not being able to meet inside the sanctuary together because of this COVID-19. And I, I think it's quite obvious that we are in the biggest political battle of our lives and, of course, the biggest pandemic of probably all of history. It's affecting the entire world. And there are those who would seek during the middle of this to burn down the system. There are those who would want to destroy the economy. There are those who want to ruin livelihoods. And I firmly believe that. They, they don't really care about the people losing everything. And it's all for the sake of political advantage. And that's what's working in our world right now. And there are those who want to restrict the freedoms of worship that we possess. Like being here in the sanctuary, last week I spoke about not being able to sing or to worship. And with that, uh, that's a real problem. And so I spoke against that. I, I don't believe anybody has the right to let Jesus know how his church is to be conducted when they get together. And that was the attempt made by Governor Newsom uh, for us and all the churches that are in California and I happen to know uh, there are three Calvary chapels that are suing the governor because of this. I know one personally. Uh, he has been here at the church when we were over at the other building. And his name is Kevin Green at Calvary Chapel, Fort Bragg. Uh, he, along with two other churches, are suing Gavin Newsom on this order uh, that we would not be able to worship inside uh, the sanctuary. And so uh, you might pray for him on that. He's going forward with that. But there are real problems with how our government is ha handling the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, reporting on the virus, infections, hospital admissions, and death rates are all being skewed. Uh, Florida officials, to give you an example here, uh, admit that counting a motorcycle death as a COVID-19 fatality it was wrong. They admitted that. But they are having an argument right now about removing that from the statistics for the state in general. And it appears to be the case all over Florida that they are adding to the COVID de uh, deaths, the rate, those which are not deaths related to COVID. And also, uh, there's a, well, there is an argument uh, in the state about removing that. And then there's also the 300 testing sites in Florida that all tested 100% for COVID. And it wasn't even close. It was 10 times less than that when they found out. And of course, they called it a mistake. And I believe the underlying reason for this is political. They want to raise up this idea that uh, everybody's getting COVID and we're all fearing for our lives. And 
That is just not the case. And, of course, there's an argument over whether children should go back to school or not. And scientists are coming out and saying it's not a problem for the kids who are usually not susceptible to it as adults are to go back to school. And it really doesn't affect the teachers and there's science behind that. But some people, I heard an interview this last week, some people just can't accept that and they don't want anything to take place. They want everybody to remain at home, hunkered down, not having any kind of contact. And our own governor wants to stop churches from singing, as I just mentioned. And all of these things are coming together. And that's not even talking about the political strife which is out there, those who would seek to destroy and cause mayhem. And, and, you know, I, I think that we need to be full of wisdom on how we respond to this. Now, there are always going to be those, whatever decision is made, and, of course, the board made the decision here uh, that we would not meet. But whatever the decision is, there's going to be people on both sides of that that would either agree or disagree. We should meet or we shouldn't meet. Now, I did declare last week that we should be able to sing in service. So why do I think that we should not meet together in this building if infections, hospitalizations, and death rates from COVID-19 have been politicized and are greatly misrepresented? When last week I said the governor's not going to tell us what to do when it comes to singing inside of a church, uh, he has no authority to do so. Well, there have been some in the church and some outside the church that I've talked to They've already expressed their opinions, uh, whether or not we should continue to meet, which, by the way, I do appreciate. I love hearing the opinions of others and what they think we should do. But still, the question remains, why not just meet together? Well, I have a few points here. Well, first, it really is becoming difficult, extremely difficult, to filter through what is fact and what is a lie, what is political, And what is the truth? The major media cannot be trusted on these issues. Uh, They have their own agenda. And when you go to alternative news sites, they also have an agenda. And people that you want to trust, you want to cling to as far as the truth is concerned, sometimes you're not sure. Uh, But it's difficult because this battle is going on. And secondly, many churches are buying into the social gospel and and they are being driven by political Uh, operatives which are out there and the media which is also in cahoots with them but that wind is blowing through the churches but they're not paying attention to the wind of the Holy Spirit what the Holy Spirit has to say third this recent order by the governor is not immoral or illegal which be a clear violation of scripture and of course that's going to be making its way through the courts and we want to honor laws in the land and follow that And fourth, there are voices that say, regardless, the government and the governor have seized too much power over our private lives and we must resist. There's a group that says that. And fifth, there's great potential for infighting in the churches and criticisms from outside the church when any decision is made concerning believers in Christ and how we're to worship. So that conflict is always going to be there we're never going to get 100% agreement on what is going on with the church and how it should operate. And sixth, there's this word called zeitgeist. The zeitgeist or the spirit of the age is one of uncertainty, disunity, lack of trust, violence, silence, dissension, and selfishness. 
That, that's the spirit of the age in which we are existing. Uh, seventh, there are very, very few what I would consider consistent, reasoned, and wise counsels from leaders and how the churches and communities should respond to recent mandates and developments. If you turn on the news, the politicians are going back and forth. They're arguing with each other. They're not even being kind in doing so. You have those inside the church going back and forth, what our response should be. You have those in secular society that are rising up and they're saying we ought not to follow what the media and quote-unquote the Democrats say or the CDC. And they bring up all kinds of evidence of the manipulation of the uh, numbers that are out there. And there's just this turmoil that is going on. So there's at least seven things you know, where we have to sit down that I came up with that we have to sit down and consider. There are several more, but in the interest of time, I did not go through those. So I think at this point, it's a lesson for all of us. How do we honor God? By honoring the governments set above us, as it is spelled out in Scripture in Titus in chapter 3, verse 1, Romans chapter 13, and 1 Peter chapter 2. How are we supposed to do that? Well, as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, I was always taught to bring up the question whenever an issue comes about, what does Scripture say we're supposed to do? Now, just like the founding documents of this country are the supreme authority, the Bible for the disciples of Jesus is the final authority. So, what did I do? Well, before I do that, I, I, I want to explain a conversation that I had this week. I was talking to somebody who was recently um, employed in another ministry in East County, and he knew of somebody who was in the ministry also and was part of the leadership. And some things would come up, the direction of ministry, what should be done, and doctrines that should be taught. And this person would always raise the question, well, where does it say that in the Bible? And because of that, this individual was let go of ministry. And this is a a well-known church. He was let go because he was accused of bibliolatry, which is idolatry of the Bible that he was referring to the Bible too much to get direction of what ministry should be. And I I was personally taken back by that, that a ministry such as this one, not here at Calvary Chapel Lakeside, but another ministry in East County, decided that we don't need to pay attention to the Bible. Maybe it's just the Spirit we need to pay attention to. Well, the Spirit's never going to tell you to do something that's contrary to the Bible, to the Word. And I think it's a valid question, and I think it was probably good that that individual left that particular ministry. But I digress. I knew that providing direction for this church was going to require wisdom, wisdom that I did not possess, but only God. If you remember the story of Daniel, Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he went to the wise men, the satraps, back in his day, those in the kingdom who could provide direction and counsel. And he told them he had a dream. And he wanted to know the interpretation of the dream. But he didn't want to tell them the dream because he thought that they would try to deceive him as to what the answer would be. And then he gave this edict. He said, if you don't tell me the dream and its interpretation, I'm going to kill or have all of you killed. And so they they said, this is impossible. Nobody can do this. And so Daniel asked for just a little bit of time before the order was carried out. And he said, I can't give you the answer to this, but God 
can give the answer. And God did. God showed him. He gave him godly wisdom to give to the king, to show the king what was to take place in the future. And that's an example for us. We are to go to the scripture. We're to ask God, God, give me a scripture to lead me in a direction. Now, that scripture has to be interpreted correctly. We want to make sure we don't grab a scripture and then misinterpret it and then go out and do what the misinterpretation is. But we want to have wisdom from God. And so what I did was, you know, I've been asking God on and off in this one particular time. I remember what I was doing and where I was going. And I just turned to God and I said, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to deal with this? And immediately he gave me some wisdom. Now, with wisdom, and I've been asking for wisdom the whole time, uh, James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8 talks about wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, or a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So, you know, I asked the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you like for the church? How should we handle this new shutdown order? Should we rebel against it, or should we submit to it? And by the way, in hindsight, going back over this, if we want to rebel against a, a government order, there is a scripture that deals with rebellion. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. For rebellion is like the sin of divination or witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. That's the NIV. The New Century Version says, Disobedience is as bad as the sign or sin of sorcery. Pride is as bad as the sin of worshiping idols. And so if we're going to be rebellious, we better make sure we're on the right side of God's morality and God's ethics and what God would approve of. So again, I asked the Lord... And I had this verse immediately come to mind. And the verse is James chapter 3, verse 17. It just kind of flooded into my head. And it reads, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So I decided to break down this verse and how it relates to our current circumstance. I believe God gave me this verse. I think if we wait patiently, that's how God speaks. He he gives us a little time to ask. Sometimes he answers right away and sometimes he answers over a little bit of time. But when he gives us a verse, we're supposed to dig in. We're supposed to mine it to see what it has to say. So I did that with each one of these. First of all, it says that wisdom is pure. And so I meditated on that. How does that apply to what we're going through with the governor's edict not to meet, not to get together? And the first thing I thought of was pureness or purity needs to be something of the heart. The heart can be completely corrupted. And so I had to be pure in my motives on deciding what needed to be done as God gave me wisdom going in his direction. I did not want to be personally invested or motivated by animus or hostility. Uh, I didn't want to be motivated by spite or say to myself, how dare the governor do this again? 
And so I had to take all of that and set it to the side. Do I think the governor at, point, at some point or some times has ulterior motives? Yes, I, I think he does. I think uh, maybe he's not totally corrupted, but in some things I, I think it might be a power grab, which power corrupts absolutely. We know that. So being angry on the inside because of the distortion of the truth, the disunity, the factions, the political motivations, the tendency to riot and destroy, the misdirection and misinformation. Through all this, I asked the question, what can I do about it? And I came up with two answers. I can rebel or I can submit. I can submit to the governing authorities. With all that other stuff, I can do nothing about it whether it's the rioting or whatever the case might be. I can't do anything. The only power that I have is to vote. And so I needed to make sure when I made a decision, it was pure. It was not motivated out of base motives, out of the flesh. And also the next one is wisdom is peace-loving. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, and this refers to anybody who would serve the Lord in a position of ministry, says, the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. So I needed to make sure I'm not resentful again towards the governor or the government and what's taking place or if there's corruption in the CDC and some of the health uh, officials that are out there. I I can't let that uh, guide me in my decision. And whatever I decide, it must lend itself to peace. It shouldn't lend itself... For instance, to ginning up the people say, we need to do this, we need to take a stand against the government and what they're doing is unrighteous when this particular order is not illegal or immoral. And if it were, I would say, well, it's time to take a sword, so to speak, like Jesus told Peter for protection. And I'm not saying that in a way that we need to get guns and swords and break down the the capital of Sacramento. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there's a time where we speak and a time to... Uh, remain silent and there's a time for war metaphorically speaking where we stand up and we resist what is going on then also it goes on to say wisdom is considerate i wanted to be considerate of those in the church who might be adversely affected if this is in fact increasing where the numbers of cases are growing there are people in this church who could be susceptible and succumb to this covid-19 And I want to be considerate with those people who may be coming to the church. I don't want anybody to be infected. I I don't want anybody to succumb to this particular disease. And so as I look at this particular verse, I I have wisdom is pure, wisdom is peace-loving, wisdom is considerate. And then wisdom is submissive, which I already covered in Romans chapter 13, 1 Peter chapter 2 and Titus chapter 3 verse 1, which I'll read. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility towards all men. Now, this is not to say that you just roll over and let the government roll over those who would roll over. Uh, For instance, uh, the pastor that I know, Kevin Green, He's handling it in a judicial fashion, following the laws of the land, making appeals. That's exactly what should be done. And he is taking that avenue. Then it says, wisdom is full of mercy. And I really didn't get anything from the Lord on, uh, at the time that wisdom is full of mercy. But in hindsight, 
those who make these decisions in, in positions of authority in the government and in the health industry, there are going to be those who have pure motives. Maybe they've been tainted by media or other influential people out there. I don't know, but they certainly have pure motives. And sometimes they're going to make decisions and they're going to make mistakes. And when a leader makes a mistake, we are to extend to them mercy. So in hindsight, I could say that that one applies. If it's wrong, well, that will change. God will change that, I believe, for us. If not here in this life, he'll make it right in the next. Also, wisdom is full of good fruit. As far as the church, our church here in Lakeside being full of good fruit, could you imagine uh, the neighborhood If we show up, we have the doors open, we're singing to the top of our voices, meeting inside, and we're being that kind of witness to the community who may not be a community of believers. Chances are they are not. And they would look at the church saying, why are you guys being disobedient going against the government? So we have this wisdom that would produce bad fruit as far as the community is concerned. And wisdom is also impartial. We we don't want it to be us against them. We don't want it to be the churches versus the government. Remember, the government has been set up for our benefit. The government is not supposed to be set up to work against us, although often it does. But us taking sides, the church taking sides in this, we want to take the Lord's side. We don't want to take the side of government. We don't want to take the side of churches. Like I said, there are churches that are falling into this mode of the social gospel where you just bow to BLM or Antifa and how can we change this and apologize and take a knee and and they're not even considering why are we even here we're to bring glory to Jesus Christ and get the gospel out there so that people may understand their salvation in this world is broken and it is full of sin and that's why we're experiencing everything that we are and so we want to be a witness to those who are outside we don't want to have these selfish motives of being partial. Well, this is what I think we ought to do. And we gather people around us and we say, what do you think? You think we ought to do this? And then you try to convince them that we ought to do this. We ought not to bow down to the government. That's not being impartial. Matter of fact, that's called uh, being uh, divisive. And the Lord says in Proverbs chapter 6 that he hates those who sow dissension. And so we, we at no time want to start gathering people and talking to them and saying, we ought to do this, when that individual has no verse from the Bible, no direction, no story. The Spirit hasn't spoken to him or to her. And if we're doing that, we're doing a disservice to the body of Christ and sowing dissension among brothers. Again, that's what the Lord hates. Now, there is a biblical precedent for waiting on the Lord and seeing what he has to say. We know that the Israelites, and specifically King David, were known for going to God and seeking out wisdom. And of course, the priest, he had the breastplate, and he had the Urim and the Thummim. And whenever the king would come and want to know what the will of God was, he would go to the high priest, and the high priest would consult the Lord. And it is said that the breastplate, it had the names of the children of Israel, that certain letters would light up uh, somehow supernaturally and the Lord would provide a message through that avenue and would let King David know, yes, go to war, I am with you, or something like that. And the Urim and the Thummim, we don't know exactly how those were used uh, to find out what the Lord's will was. 
but they would often go to the Lord, the Israelites and specifically King David. And if you remember in Genesis chapter 25, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, she became pregnant with two babies inside the womb and they were jostling back and forth. Uh, for those of you ladies who have been pregnant, you know how, especially if you're laying down at night, the baby's legs tend to push out against the abdomen and a hand over here, or a heel over there. Well, these two babies inside the womb were jostling back and forth. They're actually warring with each other inside the womb. And Rebecca, she was troubled by this. She said, why is this happening to me? And it says after that, so she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord spoke to her. Now, we don't know how he spoke, but we have written down what he said to her. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So God answered the prayer of Rebekah, And he did it with his word. This is the word of God. Whenever God speaks, that's his word. It came directly to Rebecca and to Isaac. And it was explained to them why this was going on. And Josiah the king in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 19 through 21. I'm just going to read this to you. It says, when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robe. He was listening to the law being read. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, uh, Ahikam, son of Saphan, Abdon, son of Micah, Saphan, the secretary of Asiah, the king's attendant, go and inquire to the Lord for me, for the remnant in Israel and Judah, about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not accepted or acted in accordance with all that is written in the book. And so he, Josiah, he went back to the word of the Lord. As he read it, he knew that he had done wrong and the people had done wrong. And so the Lord spoke through his word. That's why we go back to the word. Anybody who says it's bibliolatry is greatly mistaken. That is the standard in which we return. We always go back there and we say, Lord, what is your will? What is your word has to say? And then wisdom, the final one, it is sincere. Now, again, the community which is out there, they might see us meeting together and they should see us being sincere and devoted to God, but also being submissive to the government and not rebellious. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, in conjunction with this, says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands just as we, are, or we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. So we are supposed to be self-sufficient, but we are to win those who are outside. We're supposed to make the gospel attractive and we are not to be rebellious, not given to quarreling in any way. We're supposed to be single-minded. What the Lord's will is, that should be our will to fulfill as well. And we're not to have factions in and amongst us. So What is our response as a church supposed to be to this? Or as a church and also individually, what is it supposed to be? Well, it was the board that came to this conclusion. Now, we went back and forth on this. Steve was also there. And what we should do, what we should not do. And there was some agreement and disagreement in there. But when all was said and done, it was God's word that reigned supreme. 
And for now, I think we're supposed to be submissive to what God has to say in his word concerning wisdom from above. We're to act in that wisdom. If someone disagrees, uh, they ought not to sow dissension. Uh, Again, that's one of the six things that the Lord hates. And with all of this, we're not to worry or fret. I think we're to sit back and just simply say, okay, the Lord knows what's going on. He is fully cognizant. He's not worried. And Psalm 37 speaks about how David encourages us not to fret or be worried. And I'm going to read that entire psalm here. It says, Do not fret because of those who are evil or envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when the people succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger. And turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and the needy to slay those whose ways are upright. But the sword will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. Though the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, they will be consumed. They will go up in smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. Wrongdoers will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom and their tongues speak what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts. Their feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous intent on putting them to death. But the Lord will not leave them in the power of the wicked or let them be condemned and brought to trial. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land When the wicked are destroyed, you will see it. 
I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like the luxuriant native tree, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless, observe the upright. A future awaits those who seek peace, but all sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. And I am fully convinced that what is said in here is applicable to today. It even says the wicked draw swords and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy. Those who would get rid of police in our country, that's exactly what they'll do because the crime will come to those who are poor. The hungry will become even more hungry because commerce will be interrupted. If there are no police, even truck drivers are talking about not taking loads into certain cities because there are no police there to keep the order. Even people in places like Harlem, they are saying, no, don't defund the police because the crime will get really bad if you do this. And by the way, there is this undercurrent which is uh, afoot in our world as these changes are taking place, and these are monumental changes. I, I wanted to make you aware of this. You know, as far as the poor are concerned, the poorest of the poor in this world are in places like Africa and over in China and Cambodia and Indonesia. They are, they are genuinely poor over there. And there is this move uh, that is by the Rockefellers and also Bill Gates. I just read it last night. What they are going to do is they are installing, and I've talked a little bit about this before, through the vaccine program and the technology that's available to that, they're going to start in Africa. And the poorest of the poor over there, if they get any income whatsoever, they don't have a place to store it. Uh, Thieves are rampant over there. They go in and they steal what they may have inside their huts if they have a hut. Uh, If they don't have a hut, they may be living in the ground. I've seen some of those places. Any possessions they have could be stolen from them. And so if they get some type of assistance, they're finding a way to link the vaccine with commerce. And they want to be able to give to the poor the vaccine to protect them from COVID and any other diseases that they may get a vaccine for, but also install some type of identification with that to where they have an online identity where all they have to do is show up and use some biometric trait and be able to get access to cash to buy. And it is a move to make it a cashless world. Now, we've talked about this before, but it is right at the forefront, but not here in this country or this continent as much as it is in Africa. And they want to start with the poor. So they will start with the poor worldwide, and then they will raise it up from there, and it will go to the not so poor, the lower middle class, to the middle class, to the upper middle class, and to the wealthy. And that's how they are moving in this direction. And this is right now. Of course, we know this is Revelation chapter 13. It is leading to the mark of the beast. I don't believe the vaccine is the mark of the beast. But I believe it is the precursor. It is leading there. And so with everything that's going on in the world, you see the riots that are taking place up in Oregon. They have stopped talking about it, but it is the 47th day that riots have happened every single day in Portland, Oregon. But they're not talking about it anymore because they have found out it's really not helping their cause. And the cause is Marxism. 
the BLM, they are Marxist, the Antifa is Marxist, and uh, unfortunately, the younger generation has no idea what Marxism is or was and who Karl Marx was. And I, I think I've said before, I believe Karl Marx was demon-possessed. The man was just a, a filthy human being and all the things that he talked about and he was willing to kill people and he caused uprisings and the whole world is going in that direction. And Patty showed me uh, just last night the symbol for BLM is a raised fist that is black and it is exactly the same symbol for communism, only theirs is red. And so what are we looking at? Where are we living? How do we conduct ourselves here? Well, let's just walk in wisdom. We simply follow the governor's order. It doesn't present, uh, prevent us from getting together and talking. And in a moment, I'm going to switch over to Zoom. And I want to get all the prayer requests uh, from everybody that is tuning in online. And if you don't have the Zoom, uh, you can go to the website and get that address to tune in. And also, uh, we're be going to be adding something to the website. It is uh, PayPal. It's for your convenience. I really never talk about giving to the church unless it comes up in Scripture. But in the future, if you want to do that, you don't need to be a member of PayPal. You can just use a credit card or however you'd like to do it. But I just wanted to let you know that's going to be available probably in the next week here. And, and I just wanted to extend a word of thanks because we have not suffered in any way as a church with the income that is provided by you guys, by God's prompting you. Uh, and we're amply supplied. It, it is all good. We are not suffering at all, uh, except for the suffering of being away, being apart from each other. And hopefully we can make up some of that as we Zoom. And again, be praying about what we do on the outside, if we can do that, if that's possible. In the next week or two or three, we'll, we'll have a definite answer on that, if that will work or if it will not work. So let's go ahead and pray and close out this portion of the message, and then I'm going to shoot over to Zoom. So, Father, we ask for your blessing on your word as we turn to it and seek understanding. We know that you are able to give this to us, and we desperately want it. We don't want to act according to the flesh or according to the ways of the world, but we want to do what your will is. In Psalm 37, it says, if we trust in you, if we seek you out, you will give us the desires of our heart. And so may the desires that we possess, may they be your desires. And we'll trust in you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.